0: Hi, welcome back to The Road to Rescue here on Parable of the Vineyard. I'm Sean Griffin, and I'm joined by my awesome
1: co-host, Ken Heidebrecht. Good evening, spiritual brothers and sisters in Christ. Thank you so much for joining us this evening. And uh, as always, I know I'm biased, but I think we have an interesting topic for tonight.
0: Yes. Yeah, I'm, I'm excited about tonight's topic because... To me the context of understanding the father's message to their survivors of the day of the lord is so helpful to understanding some of the other component pieces of what's going on on that day and even some of the things that build up to the day of the lord yeah. so in case this is your first time to catch the broadcast uh this show is this the series is called the road to rescue we do this here on sunday nights on the parable of vineyard and our concept here is that we're showing all the component pieces in scripture that were prophesied through the prophets um that speaks specifically about the events, the timing, the circumstances, the who, the when, the where, the what's of the day of the Lord. That's the return of the Messiah, our wonderful savior, Yeshua HaMashiach of Nazareth. And uh, this whole concept here is we're going to explain, we've been explaining each week, you know, this is what episode 14, Ken?
1: Yeah, 10. I think we're on in 14. Yep.
0: 14. So e- each week we're going over a different component piece of all the different things that are coalescing throughout time. To happen on this specific event. And uh, and this particular concept. is Tonight is we're going to deal. With what the father has said. For those who survived this event. So this is going to be those. Who are not participating. In the first resurrection. Those who are still alive. After 42 months of Apollyon. They're still alive after a massive earthquake. And the heavens are shaking. And the mountains are falling with the sea. Uh, they're still alive. And they're going to be. We're going to see what the father has to say about them.
1: Absolutely, man. I think I'll just get us started with some prayer real quick.
0: Sounds great, brother. Thank you. problem.
1: Father, thank you so very much for who you are. Just words cannot describe you. Um, your faithfulness to us, even while we sin and transgress your commandments, Father, is always present. And it's exemplified in this discussion even tonight, Father. You are, have always been a faithful, gracious, merciful, loving Father, low to anger and abounding in love. And so I just thank you very much um, for those attributes that you possess. And so Father, I just pray that as Sean and I go through the, tonight's teaching, um, it would edify the brothers and sisters that are watching. And I just pray that we would do this episode um, justice by being clear with what we say, Father. And I just pray that your spirit would would guide us and help us. And um, yeah, just open our eyes to the amazing aspects of the day of the Lord as revealed in your incredible word. So thank you so much. And we ask for your um, presence to be among us and um, all these things in Yeshua's name, amen. Amen.
0: Thank you, Ken. All right, so uh, we're actually, you know, a lot of people may not really suspect this, but um, we're actually gonna start off tonight by discussing this concept at its roots, right? So you remember Ken, when Jesus was walking around and he's talking to people, he's at some of them asked him about the law. Others, the Pharisees were trying to twist the law and add their own commandments. And then some of the scribes, you know, asked him about the law and they, they did seem to know the law. They seemed competent in it yet throughout Yeshua's ministry on earth. He walked around and, and often he chastised them for not really understanding the spirit of the law, whether they kept the literal, you know, point by points of the law they didn't seem to have the right heart about it.
1: Yeah. yeah, absolutely, and I mean, Yeshua would chastise them for concerning themselves more with you know the mint and the tie, the ties, those types of things, over the things that are weightier in the law, which is exactly what we're discussing, right? And um, so, yes, I agree 100 percent that even though yeah. the religious elite may have understood the, the commandments, they didn't follow through with them um, in a spiritual way
0: absolutely brother i'm so glad you brought that up because that's all we're going to do tonight guys is we're going to we're going to pinpoint the weightier matters that the father actually is performing in the day of the lord and throughout the millennial reign after the day of the lord for the survivors of the nations because that is his heart it always was his heart and it's what all the you know the instructions the torah itself is built around you know is this weightier matter and of of how the the attitude to take towards the, and what that, how that plays out. So I'm excited to get to it. And that's why I said many people may may be surprised that we're going to start off in Leviticus, but for all those out there, if you haven't studied Leviticus, it's a game changer guys. It'll, it'll, it'll help you understand a ton of the things that Jesus was doing and saying, when he was walking around, it'll help you understand all Hebrews. Um, and it'll just really has a lot of clarity in the book, in the Leviticus. Um, but because of the way it's written, sometimes people glaze right by it. You know what I mean? And we've had this bad indoctrination for generations that that has been erroneously taught to us that the the Old testament's not applicable anymore. But we're going to show you just how uh, the applicable it is tonight.
1: Absolutely. All right, Sean. So I can screen share, and uh, yeah, I'll even I'll even get started with the first passage here. Thank you, brother. Okay guys so we're in Leviticus chapter 19 verses 33 to 34 and it says when a stranger resides with you in your land you shall do him not do him wrong the stranger who resides with you shall be to you as the native among you and you shall love him as yourself for you were aliens in the land of Egypt I am the Lord your God right there Sean yeah straight and plain <laughs> yeah. brother
0: yeah yeah there's not much mincing words with this one it's just simply the father's like look you got to treat these people like you like you treat yourself i love it that this is actually where we see you shall love them as you love
1: yourself yeah exactly i mean it's it's not a new commandment it's not something that yeshua all of a sudden decided to you know concoct under his own you know teaching or something like that we know that when he came he came teaching his father's instructions his father's doctrine and his father's doctrine has always been the same thing as is, is I mean, exactly what we just read here
0: yeah absolutely man so it you know if you're if you're in a to the viewer out there if you you know you're currently attending a regular church bless you that's good that's wonderful that's a great place um unfortunately there's a lot of modern churches not everyone but there's a lot of modern churches that has done what ken has talked about just now they've they've claimed that christ has given us a better law a better instruction than what yahweh gave us his father the the same person that jesus said i don't do anything or say anything alone everything i say comes from the father but yet Um, modern day pastors and teachers and churches trying to tell people that that um the law of christ is somehow different from the law that was given on mount sinai and, and given to all believers uh which was as the book of Jubilees talks about a law that's recorded in the heavenly tablets in kept creation. Yeah. So it's just, it's simply, and we're using the word law, Kim, but I'm, I know a lot of times that really distracts people. Uh, and that's why you've tried to hear me over time kind of playfully uh, interchange the word instructions for living or just behavior instead of the word law, yeah. because that's all it is. He created you as a human. and He's saying, look, here's your instruction manual on how you work. Like you get a car with an instructional, you got a body and here's a instruction manual on how you're supposed to work. This is your behavior. And if you do these things, it will go well with you. And then, you know, you'll escape the second death and inherit eternal life. And so yeah. this is, it just, it pains my heart, you know, how many, how much we've heard growing up in our life that somehow the law of Christ is better than what was given originally when all he did, the original covenant law.
1: Yeah. It's, it's definitely a surprise. Um, especially when you dig into the very words of our Messiah, uh, uh, you know what he said about himself with regards to his father. You know he would he would say, "Why are you calling me good? There's only one good, and that's God, right?" And then he would say that my father is greater than I. So, if Yeshua is offering us something better than his father, even though he's already said that his father is better than him and greater than him and all those things, then we're kind of making Yahweh the father subservient to the son in a way, and that's not how the how the son um, presented himself in the first century at all.
0: That's right. Yeah. yeah. he clearly knew what the word father meant. Yeah. So yeah, that's right. you want to put the next slide up there. Well, I think it was in Deuteronomy, what? 27.
1: Yep. I got her yeah. up here, Sean, if you want to Sweet, read brother. it. This is Deuteronomy
0: twenty seven nineteen, guys. And this is, says, cursed is he who distorts the justice do an alien orphan and widow and all the people shall say, Amen.
1: Yeah, and all the people shall agree, right? (laughs) That's right. He's forcing them to agree. He's like, this is my behavior. Agree with this because this is going to benefit you in the long run.
0: So in in the Leviticus passage, we looked at it saying to the alien, the stranger, the orphan, the widow, the sojourner, treat them with love. Treat them as you would treat yourself. And here in this one, it said that to treat them with justice, right? So do not distort justice, which means to do justice to them because there is justice owed to them. And so that's some of the, uh, the foundational concepts that the Father has given to us, the, how he thinks, basically. And so tonight, we're going to dig into him and how that plays out as he interacts through his Messiah with the survivors on the day of the Lord.
1: Yeah, absolutely. All right, we'll jump to the next one, Sean. Yeah, thanks, Bert. We're in Isaiah 60, verses 11 to 14, and it says, Your gates will be open continually and just so the viewer can understand here this is being talked about the new jerusalem this is the city the kingdom of god here so the father is speaking to the actual kingdom itself and it says your gates will be open continually they will not be closed day or night so that men may bring to you the wealth of the nations with their kings led in procession for the nation and the kingdom which will not serve you will perish and the nations will be utterly ruined The glory of Lebanon will come to you, the juniper, the box tree, and the cypress together, to beautify the place of my sanctuary, and I shall make the place of my feet glorious. The sons of those who afflicted you will come bowing to you, and all those who despise you will bow themselves at the soles of your feet, and they will call you the city of the Lord, the Zion of the Holy One of Israel beautiful
0: that's great man it's beautiful and this whole con is that um i love it how it says that the end, the sons of those who afflicted you will come bowing to you so yeah. not yeah so this is kind of an interesting thing here where are the fathers
1: <laughs> yeah exactly
0: that's true <laughs> why just the sons of those who afflicted you and so that's what we're going to delve into that stick with us till yeah. the end guys we'll then further and explain that yeah, man we'll get to the next one real quick if you like
1: yep sure revelation 3 9 go for it buddy
0: revelation 3 9 says behold i will cause those of the synagogue of satan who say that they are jews and are not but lie i will make them come and bow down at your feet and make them know that i have loved you revelation 3 9. and ken real quick as this is up on the screen here i just want and some of the, at this point in the show already we put up three or four slides uh, some of the viewers may be saying what in the world is that background behind these scriptures uh, so this is just uh, a humorous way I decided to present an apocalyptic concept here, because um, you know the whole, all any NASA complex or any rocket launching complex or space shuttle uh, p- platform or pad will be utterly useless once the day of the Lord happens, because people will know the truth.
1: Yeah, yeah, I agree. Amen, brother. Absolutely. So that big lie will go away forever. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it'll be very hard to try to convince people of that lie on the day of the lord it's just because
0: they're going to see the new hurt, the new that's been refashioned for them they'll see the city coming down the firmament they'll they'll realize that they understand the shape of creation yeah amen
1: yeah this is uh this is an interesting passage though i mean i've heard uh, definitely different theories regarding those who are the synagogue of satan and who call themselves jews but are not
0: yeah, without and our goal here tonight, we're not we're not picking and um, pointing out, you know, this particular political group or this particular lead head of nations, or whatever, or these people groups or ethnic groups. We're not pointing out and saying that they're a part of the synagogue of Satan. To me, that's just nonsense. The whole concept is that there is a p- group of people that Scripture clearly establishes that rule the world. Right? This is there is a what we're going to read about tonight. These are the kings of the earth. It's all talked about in Revelation you know, uh, as well as the kings of the earth bring their armies together to fight Yeshua at his return. And so this whole concept here is that regardless of who they are, the father knows that they are. And that's the point. And that he knows who's real and who's not. He knows who are lying, Mm -hmm. being truthful, because he's the one as revelation two also says, I think it's verse 23, 24 that he can, you know, he knows the thoughts and and the intent of the heart. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And we're going to, we're going to come across this in Enoch, the next passage that we're, Yes, absolutely.
0: We just get a little bit more fleshed out, a little bit more detail than Revelation just gave us.
1: I love it. This is a really, really good, you know, explanation as to what we're talking about here.
0: Yeah, brother. You want to read that one? Go ahead.
1: All right, guys, we're in Enoch now, chapter 63. It says, In those days shall the mighty and the kings who possess the earth implore him to grant them a little respite from his angels of punishment to whom they were delivered that they might fall down and worship before the Lord of spirits and confess their sins before him. And they shall bless and glorify the Lord of spirits and say, blessed is the Lord of spirits and the Lord of Kings and the Lord of the mighty and the Lord of the rich and the Lord of glory and the Lord of wisdom and splendid. And every secret thing is thy power from generation to generation and thy glory forever and ever Deep are all thy secrets and innumerable and thy righteousness is beyond reckoning. We have now learnt that we should glorify and bless the Lord of kings and him who is king over all kings. And they shall say, do you want me to keep going, Sean, or do do you want to? Oh, yeah, you can read the whole passage. And they shall say, would that we had rest to glorify and give thanks and confess our faith before his glory. And now we long for a little rest, but find it not. We follow hard upon and obtain it not. And light has vanished from before us and darkness is our dwelling place forever and ever. For we have not believed before him, nor glorified the name of the of spirits, nor glorified our Lord. But our hope was in the scepter of our kingdom and in our glory. And in the day of our suffering and tribulation, he saves us not. And we find no respite for confession that our Lord is true in all his works and in his judgments and in his justice. And his judgments have no respect to persons. And we pass away from before his face on account of our works and all our sins are reckoned up in righteousness now they shall say unto themselves our souls are full of unrighteous gain but it does not prevent us from descending from the midst thereof into the burden of shield. and after that their faces shall be filled with darkness and shame before that son of man and and they shall be driven from his presence and the sword shall abide before his face in their midst thus spake the lord of spirits this is the ordinance and judgment with respect to the mighty and the kings and exalted and those who possess the earth before the Lord of Spirits. Wow. Okay.
0: couple. It's a lot to read, but at the same time, not only do we have the kings coming to bow down before him like we read previously already, but we have a differentiation between the Lord of Spirits and also the Son of Man who sits on the throne of glory.
1: Yeah. Sean, this really typifies the passage that every knee shall bow and every tongue confess that Yeshua is Lord doesn't it you know like all kings everyone doesn't matter who you are you are confessing on that day
0: and isn't it interesting how they actually come up and they say we now recognize your glory we now understand but they're still going to get judged for what they did there's not like a last minute deathbed confession that's going to be granted to them yeah so the father through his messiah his son whom he sent to become king of earth (laughs) the king of heaven and king of of the earth will be is the son of man in that passage sitting on the throne of glory who will judge those kings that come before him and he will say look he know he's he's their deeds have already been weighed right and so he's going to know whose are his and whose are not whose repentance is real whose ignorance is real and whose is not you know
1: yeah exactly yeah there's no hiding you cannot hide from you know, the father and his, and his son, I mean, they just, they know everything. There's no, there's yeah. no way of concealing anything. I mean, they know the matters of the heart and,
0: <laughs> and who knows how many angels are going to be coming back with the son. And I as Zephaniah 1 talks about, they're going to be searching the, through the cities with lamps. Yeah. So they're <laughs> like, you know, what did we see in Revelation 6:14? right? The kings of the earth said to the mountains follow us and hide us from the wrath of the lamb. Um, we also see, I think it's in, um, gosh, that Oh, I think it's in uh, Amos two, uh, where it talks about the those who try to hide under the sea, that they're yes. going to be pulled up. Yes, um, those who try to ascend to heaven, those who try to dig into Sheol. Didn't it actually where says you the
1: are. serpent, the serpent will, will bite them, which is interesting. That's true. In, in the That's bottom true. of the sea. <laughs> <laughs> yes.
0: So it's. Um, I just think that it, you know it it covers the expansiveness of top to bottom, left to right, of that he's trying to tell him look when this day happens you know this is this is this is the seriousness that's gonna it's going down that everything is receiving some form of judgment so the, yeah. the different groups that are in sheol they've already kind of been determined right because if you've been resurrected already well then you are already put in a specific side of Sheol anyway and guys if you're if if that concept that i just explained sounds a little new to you we explained the concept of shul in great depth here on the Road to Rescue several weeks ago. I think it was episode three or four, and the title of that episode is called "Hell Matters," and uh, hell is the generic English translation for the word shul. So, I would encourage you, if you are interested in m- knowing more about that topic, go to the playlist of the Road to Rescue here on Parable of Vineyard, Vineyard Channel, and you can look at all of our past episodes and go catch up with that
1: one. Yeah, yeah, Sean, this first verse is you know it definitely um bronze your understanding of what's happening in joel 2 and habakkuk 3 where it, it, they're asking these kings and mighty mighty ones on the earth and that they are, are asking for just a little bit of a short rest that's what the respite means right just a little that's short right. rest from your angels of punishment <laughs> yeah. because yes yeah. they're going to literally just be crawling all over the cities and everywhere and like you know what i mean like it's just
0: and they're what? brought before them, as we read last time, was it last week or two weeks ago, Enoch, uh, Enoch 54, all those chains that Enoch saw that were made for the hosts of Azazel and, and those who had uh, joined forces, basically, with Satan. So, yeah. I mean, I wonder if these guys, these kings that are brought before him are brought in these chains that he was, that we saw last week.
1: Yeah, it could very well be. It's an interesting thought. Yeah. So, um, I don't know. Anything else in that particular passage? I mean, there's quite a bit in here, but um, for time's sake, we should probably just keep moving on here. I mean, we have yeah. the Son of Man again, right? That's another um, title that we see Enoch talk yeah. about several times in that book, which is obviously referring to Yeshua. Uh, yeah, the
0: language of Enoch is he uses the term Lord of Spirits for the Father and Son of Man for the for Yeshua. Yeah, and so that's- yeah,
1: and and those that we were just talking about, the kings and and the mighty ones on the earth, their faces are going to be filled with darkness and shame when they see him because they're they've been rejecting him, you know, and it's once again it's just you know they're they're going to get what what they deserve in my opinion, especially those who are corrupting the earth and knowingly um, doing so with the thought that there is a creator and a son you know for those who actually do know that and they, and they've just been disregarding them and doing their own thing right they said we at the beginning of this um this chapter here i think it was in uh where was it where they say like this we've we've been worrying about or only concerning ourselves about our kingdoms and our glory right
0: yeah that's right that's and right. they're acknowledging that now everything is his yeah and so so it's going to be interesting in fact this to me this uh ken this enoch 63 passage is the fulfillment of revelation 11 where it says that he comes to destroy those who destroy the earth yeah yeah we look around in our life and we say you know what's going on here why is there mass extinction of animals why is there you know chemtrails being put in the sky why you know what's going on here why is there rivers being poisoned and you know just all this kind of stuff that you're, you're trying to figure out what's going on here well the father tells us that unrighteous behavior results in the land being cursed and the yeah. land suffering the consequences of humans behavior and while the what's so ironic about all this is the propaganda campaign of the people who are corrupting the earth have tried to have tried to pass the blame onto the average person as if they're the ones doing it just by living their lifestyle.
1: Yeah, very sneaky, very, very deceptive.
0: You do a little bit of research, you can find out that, oh, no, it's not your average person that's living in an apartment, you know, just, you know, buying milk out of a plastic carton. That's not that's not destroying the earth. It's there's like major things underway that are happening. Um, If if no one has even researched something as as simple as the idea of, um, you know, the, the deep underground military bases where they're drilling huge holes in the earth. (laughs) and and you got to ask yourself why like they for underground military bases who are you fighting underground it's not just simply for hiding you know usually a military is something that you protect where the people are so that this is to assume to say in in a worst case scenario they they claim they're using him for you know worst case scenario people could go there and hide for refuge but it's just one idea of how how many huge tunnels and, and when people look these up online you'll see what i'm talking about but how many huge tunnels can you actually drill under our feet and not cause problems
1: (laughs) yeah i'm not willing to find out that's for sure
0: you know it's just
1: i mean it's insanity it really is i mean it's annoying because uh, i myself have witnessed lots of chemtrails right i mean these metallic particulates that they're spraying in the sky and they're coming out more and more they're you know they're being more transparent about it but they're still pushing their agenda that it's you know because of global warming and we're trying to protect this and that but really like you know, these things are falling down that are getting spread in the skies and we're inhaling them and they're going to the soil into the str- into the water s- systems and it's just like it's just it's killing everything it's killing animals and and humans and like you yeah. said they're trying to pass the buck right it's, it's it's we're trying to protect you here because you guys are the ones that have been destroying the earth so we're trying to like reverse this for you and it's like it's yeah the narrative is just insane yeah it's it is the
0: Classic MO. It's the classic uh, procedure, if you will, of uh, the enemy is to blame you for what he's doing. (laughs) They've been doing it for ages. Um, I'll read that. Did you read the last one? I'll read the next one if you like. Yeah, go for it, man. We're in Isaiah here. So here in Isaiah 52, 15, it says, Thus he will sprinkle many nations. Kings will shut their mouths on account of him. For what had not been told them they will see, and what they had not heard they will understand
1: what's so, the sprinkling sean
0: yeah blood, yeah, I mean, perhaps yeah isaiah 63 talks about uh some sprinkling of blood and it's not in a good way it's not like yeah. a atonement ceremony it's uh it's uh, it's actually the slaughter that's referred to in ezekiel uh peoples but at the same time you know um basically this to me is this kings of the earth they're shutting their mouths on him because they're seen or told they're they're understanding what they did not what they didn't understand before which is there will be you know there's a lot of kings of the earth what they weren't right? we, we kind of understand that each nation was 273 nations around the earth established nations around the earth right now but then we understand that there's the the concept of people that rule other peoples but may not be called an actual king right and then there's people over them. So you've got govern like sub layers of governors, if you will, but we still may give them a title of supremacy over a certain people group. Point is, there's lots of these guys. And I and I truly believe, Ken, that many of these don't actually know the full story. They don't know the gospel, the kingdom of God. It's not like they're they've, they've been dis- duped and deceived like many other people before them. Right. Because they've been shown a false sense of power from the enemy, which is why in Revelation 13, we see that happen on a grander scale out in the open apparently, because it says the kings of the earth are in awe of the dragon. And then they're in awe of the beast when the dragon uses his authority of the beast. And they're, and they're like, Oh my gosh, who could, who could wage war against him? Like they're just, they wonder after him. Right. Right. And they worship him. And so they've been just duped and deceived by a false sense of power, all sign line size and wonders. And, and that's only going to escalate in my opinion. So you're going to have men that are going to be doing as they're going to be in a place of governance over another people group that they're not going to have a clue about what the true gospel of the kingdom is. Yeah. And, they, and so therefore there will be deceived like so many others to actually fight Yeshua when he tries to come back to make peace on earth. Yeah.
1: Yeah. It's, it's, um, it's sad, but we know that Yeshua is going to spare nations. There That's are going right. to be some nations that, you know, even if there are some that are ignorantly doing so, right. This is why we have an amazing judge for a father. um, who gets to judge the minds and the hearts of men and so those who have no clue and they're going along with this narrative kind of naively and ignorantly who's to say that the father isn't going to be merciful to them right to give them a chance well, to
0: yeah and that's what i was saying he's going to he, he's the whole spirit of his instruction was the heart of the matter right and part of that heart of the matter we read in revelation where he yeshua blatantly says that he can see he searches the minds and the hearts he knows Every deed, every idle word, Matthew 12, 36, will be accounted for. So when he's, you're standing before him, you know, it, it, there's another passage that says no one can speak an ill word against him and no truth could be said before him. No, no false truth or no non-truth could be said before him. So this whole concept is that Yeshua is literally, you can't lie to him when you're yeah. going to stand before him, you know. And this is an idea where if someone has, you know, been, he's going to be the judge of that. And that's why I wanted to go over this facet of the survivors of the day of the lord because so many people that i've encountered in my life people that are believers they want to stand in that place of judgment and they want to decide who's getting in and who's not yeah and i just (laughs) man i cringe you know
1: well i mean it, it it's kind of um the same type of spirit that uh the two brothers that was it James and John or who, who was it that was trying to say like who's i want to be on your right hand and on your left i want to i want to have that position of authority right and it's just like are you sure you guys yeah, know he's like i can't i can't
0: him? promise you that that's not mine to give that's the father has chosen those spots for somebody yeah. and uh and so you're absolutely right and they also wanted to strike lightning on some people apparently it won't call fire down on some people at one point jesus is like what are you talking about (laughs) yeah so it's (laughs) yeah there's definitely people that want to step in and be the judge they want to basically take jesus's job early and do it now and declare judgment against somebody now which is just ludicrous yeah i think this is
1: (laughs) sorry bro i was just gonna say i think it's better to have the perspective that david had better to be like a doorman in the kingdom right just something that's humble right because i mean who are we to say like or to prop ourselves up into such a position. I mean, come on, let's, let's show yeah. some humility here.
0: <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And so as a result of that, yes, there's, there's going to be entire nations that are saved. And as we read in a previous, I think it was maybe a week ago or two weeks ago. Um, and it, specifically it's those nations that, that do not attack, uh, his, the believers that do not persecute his, his family. That's right. So, I mean, that's just one standard of judgment right there. But again, I'm not the one to make that call on someone's behavior, you know, throughout their life and whether they've persecuted a believer or not, you know what I mean? And what's going on there. I'm not, I'm not the judge. We'll let him figure it out. He's the King of glory. He can do it. And so, uh, actually let's get to that. Matthew, I think Matthew 25, is that one the one that's next? Cause we're going to actually just further talk about some of the standards by which he says he's going to judge people. So.
1: All right. I can read that one, Sean. Sure. Okay, so we're in Matthew 25, verse 31 It says, But when the Son of Man comes in his glory and all the angels with him, then he will sit on his glorious throne. All the nations will be gathered before him, and he will separate them from one another, as the shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. And he will put the sheep on his right and the goats on the left. Then the king will say to those on his right, Come, you who are blessed of my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was hungry, and you gave me something to eat, and I was thirsty, and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger, and you invited me in, naked, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you visited me. I was in prison, and you came to me. Then the righteous will answer him, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you, or thirsty, and give you something to drink? And when did we see you a stranger, and invite you in, or naked, and clothe you? When did we see you sick, or in prison, and come to you? The king will answer and say to them, Truly I say to you, to the extent that you did it to one of these brothers of mine, even the least of them, you did it to me. Then he will also say to those on his left, depart from me, accursed ones, into the eternal fire which has been prepared for the devil and his angels. For I was hungry, and you gave me nothing to eat. I was thirsty, and you gave me nothing to drink. I was a stranger, and you did not invite me in. Naked, and you did not clothe me. Sick, and in prison, and you did not visit me. Then they themselves also will answer, Lord, when did we see you hungry or thirsty or a stranger or naked or sick or in prison and did not take care of you? Then you will answer them, Truly I say to you, to the extent that you did not do it to the one of the least of these, you did not do it to me. These will go away into eternal punishment, but the righteous into eternal life.
0: Okay. It's, I mean, it's right there, right? So this is something that, you know, Ken and I. Uh, we wanted to kind of share with folks that we've done an extensive study on the first resurrection event. We've been talking about it on multiple shows. We talk about it on our show that Ken and I do on our on, uh, Kingdom of Context in my channel. It's called Honor of Kings. We do this show on Saturday night. And, you know, as we broke down the book of Enoch and now we've been breaking down the apocalypse of Baruch and the apocalypse of Abraham, um, we've, we see... The first resurrection event is layered into so many different things and in fact on this particular series here on the parallel of the vineyard um, we did a first resurrection entire show it's called immortality in the end of days and that'll be on again that will be on the playlist that you can find here on this channel for the road to rescue series and so um th- this whole concept that we're reading in matthew 25 it's, it's our conclusion that the first resurrection event is already happened And this, this separating of the, of the goats and the sheep is happening after the first resurrection event, after the battle of Armageddon, after the son of man has come in his glory and is sitting on the throne of his glory and doing judgment for all the survivors of the day of the Lord.
1: Yes. And you know, brother, until recently I had thought that this was, this was actually something that I was in conflict with is, you know, for those who were on the right that were the sheep and were told to inherit the kingdom. I was like, well, if they're already resurrected before this, why, you know, why is this judgment being passed out now? You know what I mean? Like, why, yeah. why is there this, you know, kind of delayed, um, you know, response to these people groups? And so it makes total sense that this is this is actually the nations, the survivors of yeah. of the day of the Lord, and not those who are already resurrected into immortality. So.
0: Yeah. And for those sheep that he tells inherit, come inherit the kingdom of God. Um, it, it's again, there's lots of statements in scripture that are made as a blanket statement. But the context of that statement has a lot of component pieces involved. So this is what Ken and I would would speak as, uh, as we've talked about on the show before. Um, it's a especially two weeks ago when we covered the new covenant idea. It's a proleptic statement. And this is actually it's what's called the faith statement and it's a it's just a literary term you know I, you guys can look it up but it's prolepsis and it's an idea where yeshua is telling these people come inherit the kingdom of god well he told this he told that same thing to the guy in Luke chapter 10 when to to all who believe right to everyone he was preaching and teaching to that he was teaching righteousness because remember it's called practicing righteousness so that is the general command of the covenant which is to Come, practice righteousness to inherit the kingdom of God, because if you do these things, you will live. So the context within these statements is all leading to being resurrected. So if the first resurrection has already happened and now the kings of the earth and the survivors of the earth are being judged, then we know the second resurrection doesn't happen until a thousand years is up. So to the survivors of the nations, he's telling them, and we're actually going to go into more of what he says to them in a few following passages, so stay with us, because he's telling them right here, come inherit the kingdom of God, which means there's a process involved. It doesn't mean they're just, a Im- he's not just swinging the door open for them and saying, come on in guys, because these are the survivors of the nations, which means they did not participate in the first resurrection event. So they were neither dead before he returned, and they were not part of the group in uh, First Thessalonians 4, verses 17 and 18 that are alive and remain and are caught up in the air in a harpazo style on the day of the Lord. Okay. So those two groups that participate in the first resurrection, these sheep in Matthew 25 are not part of those two groups. And they're actually the survivors that have now come to the new Jerusalem. As I say, Isaiah he talks about all the new stream to Zion. Um, so they will be encamped around it as we see still happening a thousand years later in Revelation 20 verses seven through 10. And they're going to learn the ways of the Father from the Messiah and the angels, the the glorified saints who are the royal priesthood. You know, and then uh, we're actually going to read about some of these passages further. So this idea is that he's actually telling them, this is you know the wicked, those who are uh, without any any chance of atonement and any chance of excuse, without a chance of repentance, because they have knowingly and willfully transgressed beyond. He's judged them basically, right? Those are the goats. Okay. And even though Ken right there, it says they're thrown in the fire. But as we know, again, that's another statement with context involved in it. Because everyone, no one's thrown in the fire, as far as I mean, as far as humankind that we can tell um, until the second resurrection, except Revelation 19, this, this beast and false prophet character, they seem to be thrown in the fire first.
1: Yeah. And I absolutely. guess, and, and the
0: Nephilim that come out with them. They're unclean spirits that come with them. Yeah. So, um, but yeah, as far sorry. as, you know.
1: Sorry, buddy. Go ahead. Go ahead. I'm just trying to
0: just trying to differentiate for folks. The, the regular men. Uh, so there's two statements going on here in Matthew 25 in this bigger passage that I just hope so people understand. These are, these are summary statements the Father is saying about those who are the goats that are being judged to be thrown into fire. That fire will happen. But as we understand the context of Sheol, they're, they're going to be killed before the Lord that day. Their soul goes to Sheol to await judgment where they'll be thrown in the lake of fire at the end of the millennium. The sheep, they they can inherit the kingdom of life. And they will because they're going to be taught Torah, which will allow them to inherit the kingdom of life. They're going to practice the, way, the, the terms of the covenant so they can be in covenant with the Father in faith and obedience.
1: Yeah, yeah. I'm starting to really understand that this is what this is talking about in this chapter because um it makes sense like if we can further expound upon even just the oblivion of these people who were instinctively doing some of the works of the law right where yeshua was like you were feeding me you were clothing me you were i was an orphan and you came visit like all those things they're like when did we do that for you well you you did it you didn't know That's you were doing right. it and that this was my behavior but you were actually doing it so because you, you, you were
0: all because of it sorry brother good
1: yeah exactly and paul paul refers to that like how they instinctively have the works of the law doing it on their heart and all that stuff and so and then kind of the inverse to that is the other group of people who were you know Yeshua was like you didn't clothe me you didn't do anything for me and they're like well when when we're supposed to be doing anything for you right like they didn't they weren't doing the works of the law at all right and so it's right. i agree that this isn't this has to be referring to people who are oblivious in a way and, and ignorant yeah. so which isn't immortals who are resurrected because we know we're doing that now, right? If we're in the, we're in the, you know, this first covenant. Now we're, and we're, um, doing the works of the law of Yahweh's instructions. We, we know that we're, we're doing things for the father, for the son, and and we're trying our best to do that. Right. We're not going to be confused on the day being like, when did we do anything for you? Even though he's, you know, (laughs) you know, he's giving them a high five for doing it. So yeah, I think, I think it makes sense.
0: Cause he's looking into their heart and he's seeing that these people, were trying to do the work, so it was never explained to them as being literally the law. But they were already instinctively doing because they had a good heart. They just had no shepherds. That's why they're called sheep in this passage, in this parable. All right? They needed a good shepherd that could teach them. Oh, this this good inclination that you have, this desire to do what's right, even though you're very confused on the definitions of what's right. You know what I'm saying? You still are participating in this desire to do it. So Yeshua is telling them right there at that point. I I'm, I'm, saw your heart. You got, you already did. You fed and clothed me, you know, you, you offered an extended love to me, which is what we just read from Leviticus 9 earlier in verses 33
1: and 34. Yeah. Yeah. Beautiful stuff, man. All right. I'll, I'll screen share here again. We'll move along.
0: All right. I think this is our second segment, segment two.
1: Okay.
0: We're just going to be talking about how, um, how does the father actually save the survivors of the day of the Lord? So it's more than just that they escaped a building falling on them. It's more than, <laughs> than just, they did decided not to get involved in the battle of Armageddon and they stayed home that day. Yeah. Right. So there, that's just the, the happenstance if you will, of the circumstances of what they chose to do. Cause as we've, you know, this may be for another show entirely Ken, but as we've talked about in the past, there seems to be some of the nations do not actually Confederate with the beast.
1: Yes. Yes, absolutely. And so
0: those are some of the nations that are spared that is coming
1: at the issue is coming. We actually see that in the same book that we're going to be reading about right now.
0: That's right. That's right. We should do a show just on something like that. But, um, but basically this, this idea here is that after the day, after this huge calamity happens, where you have this earthquake that destroys all the nations of all the, the cities of all the nations, revelation, revelation 16, 18. And I believe it's in Isaiah 30 verse um, verse 25 or 26. And so um, there's going to be survivors. There's going to be people that are left over and they're and the grocery stores are going to be destroyed. Your plumbing is going to be destroyed. Your, your city water systems are destroyed. The gardens, you <laughs> your, yeah, your gardens, your electricity grid is gone. Like, I mean, this is, it's a huge reset technologically and there there will be a lot of people that's going to need shelter and food and so this is the general call that there's a couple different ways the father actually helps the survivors live and so let's go over those ways real quick the first one here is in second baruch chapter 29 verses three and four it says it shall come to pass when all is accomplished that was come to to that was come to pass in those parts that the messiah shall then begin to be revealed and behemoth shall be revealed from his place and leviathan shall ascend from the sea those two great monsters which i created on the fifth day of creation and shall have kept until that time until then they shall be and excuse me and then they shall be for food for all that are left
1: yeah that's definitely if you're new here and haven't seen some of our other episodes i mean this would sound like a completely bizarre um you know assertion in these verses but um there's a episode that sean and i have done that was called what you need to know about leviathan and we go all throughout that episode talking about behemoth and leviathan coming back on the day of the lord and the purpose of why they were created in the first place on day number five and why they were separated and hidden throughout time and then manifested on the day of the lord is specifically for what we just read here to become food for the surviving nations of yeshua's wrath on the earth so definitely sounds weird, but it just, um, shows once again, how amazing our father is that before he created all things, he knew that there was going to be people that were going to be in need of something to eat on this, you know, prophetic day that, um, all the prophets are pointing to. So it's fascinating. I also, I did a video on my channel, hanging on his words. It's called the rise of Leviathan. You guys are totally, uh, able to check that out if you want, but, um, it's a, very very interesting aspect of this day of the lord and um you know definitely overlooked but it's definitely it's also in in um, movies and media and all over the place if you just have the eyes to see it
0: yeah it's it's a great video you did brother in fact for the viewer if you haven't already subscribed to Ken and I's channel now's your time now's the moment
1: <laughs>
0: both of our channels uh, are suggested here on the parable of the vineyard so if you go to the main Parable of the Vineyard YouTube channel. You'll see on the right-hand sidebar suggested channels in both Kingdom in Context and Hanging on His Words, which is Ken's channel. Both of them are suggested channels here, so you're welcome to check us out. Subscribe, tap the bell for notifications. Be, you know, we won't miss out when we drop new videos. And uh, and as well as on Kingdom in Context, Ken and I do our own Saturday night show. So it's we have a lot of fun with it. And, um, and all we do on that show is just break down the apocryphal books and, and line them up with the canon and see which ones line up and which ones don't. So it's called honor of Kings, but um, on, on parable of the vineyard here on the road to rescue, as Ken said, previously we did, we did what four or five weeks ago, an entire show on Leviathan. So the things that we just read in that scripture there, if you want to know more about behemoth and Leviathan from the start to finish all throughout scripture, we go over it for like an hour and a half and you go check out that um, it's called what you need to know about Leviathan, in the end times. So, yeah, yeah,
1: it's good stuff. Interesting stuff for sure. Um, move along here, Sean?
0: Yeah, absolutely, man. Okay. I think the viewer is going to start to realize once we get to like episode 20, that all these things are connected. (laughs) That's why we're always saying, go check out this show. We discussed this for two hours. We discussed this concept for an hour and a half because they're all connected.
1: it's It's one one mosaic that's i think that's the purpose of the show right sean is that we're presenting a mosaic all the scattered pieces of the day of the lord the different constituent elements that make up this big picture this mosaic that is prophetically talked about all throughout the scriptures and it's the most important day in all of human history so that's why we're so passionate about it that's why we've dedicated a show to discussing it because it's it's fundamental to understand in our faith and it it encourages us and you know is, if
0: I could, if I could say this, dare to say this, it is what the kings of the earth are currently preparing for, for the last few hundred years, through economic manipulation and strategic manipulation of citizens and, and, and different and advanced weaponry. They're doing everything they can. They know, in my opinion, many of them know it's a reality. Now, I think some of them have been sold that it's going to be like a fake alien invasion in the last hundred years, but before that. Before we had this this indoctrination of an alien invasions, and and that's what they claim it to be now. I think many of them knew because they're occultists and they're the enemy of Yahweh. The sun was going to return, so they're like preparing everything they can do to stop it if they can, but they won't be able
1: to. They'll just be wiped out. <laughs> exactly. Okay. Get my screen share to work here. There we go. Okay, guys, we're in Isaiah fifty-five now. It says, ho, and this is, he's not Santa Claus, this is Isaiah. Ho, everyone who thirsts, come to the waters, and you who have no money, come, buy and eat. Come, buy wine and milk, without money and without cost. Why do you spend money for what is not bread, and your wages for what does not satisfy? Listen carefully to me, and eat what is good, and delight yourself in abundance. Incline your ear and come to me. Listen, that you may live, and I will make an everlasting covenant with you. According to the faithful mercies shown to David, behold, I have made him a witness to the peoples, a leader and commander for the peoples. Behold, you will call a nation you do not know, and a nation which knows you not will run to you, because of the Lord your God, even the Holy One of Israel, for He has glorified you. Yeah, I love it. It's amazing. Yeah. Sean, I, I love is- how it's. I love how it says right there at the beginning, "Come and buy wine and milk without money." and without cost how uh, that seems actually moronic in a way eh?
0: that's right yeah this (laughs) wonderful poetry right there just in the wordplay not that this stuff is not literally happening um because here's the funny part when people claim that oh it's just poetry you can make of it different things i'm like actually no poetry still told a specific story just because it was a poetic prose using similes and metaphors doesn't mean the content of what they were talking about was fictional
1: (laughs) yeah so you
0: know even when we see poetic language, it doesn't mean the content itself is speaking about is not real. So, yeah, to me, this seems like the father is talking to and about the New Jerusalem in this moment here, because it's paralleled with Revelation 22.
1: Yes, I, I would agree with you for sure.
0: And so basically the survivors of the day of the Lord can come without money to get milk, bread, water. And we're actually going to read what kind of water. It's not just any kind of water.
1: Yeah, it's it's the Can't kind that Yeshua that. was talking about at the well with uh, the Samaritan woman.
0: That's right. yeah, yeah, very so, cool. Man, if you if you put up the other uh, slide up there, I'll read the next one real quick. Yeah, sure.
1: I was just gonna say before we move on, Sean, that um, the everlasting covenant that He's gonna make on that day. We we discussed that in our last episode, I believe. Was it our last one? I think. Both the, the covenants and whether we're in the new covenant. Uh, two two weeks ago, yeah. Over two weeks ago, yeah. You guys are obviously able to check that out if you want. All right. Go for it, Sean.
0: All right. So here in Revelation 22, this going to be 14 through 17. So blessed are those who wash their robes so that they may have the right to eat of the tree of life and may enter by the gates into the city. Outside are the dogs and the sorcerers, the immoral persons, the murderers, and the idolaters. Everyone who loves and practices line but I Yeshua have sent mine angel to testify to you these things for the churches. I am the roots and the descendant of David, the bright morning star, the spirit and the bride say come and let the one who hears say come and let the one who is thirsty come let the one who wishes to take the water of life without cost.
1: Yeah, I don't know who wouldn't want to take the waters of life without cost.
0: Yeah. You know? So the so the spirit and the bride, and this is where in my you know I've done a an entire video series on who the bride is, and it's the New Jerusalem, which is exactly what the previous chapter in chapter twenty one already told us point blank. Verses nine through ten, John is shown the bride of of the Lamb descending from heaven, and it specifically says it's the holy city, the New Jerusalem. And so then idiomically, or excuse me, uh, anthropomorphically, this this. New Jerusalem is actually saying, speaking, right? Come, get water without cost if you're thirsty. Come, you know. And of course, the Father ha- makes the same proclamation, right? Isaiah 55, which is, I think it's not—it's not any accident that Isaiah 54 is about the New Jerusalem. <laughs> yes. So then, Isaiah 55 is—is is this same proclamation? So it's like you could line up Revelation 21 with Isaiah 54 and Revelation 22 and Isaiah 55. So it's like they flow in the same order. And it's basically the survivors of the nations can come up and they can get their food, water and sustenance um, and even apparently milk, right? And bread, um, get your basic provisions, which is hilarious, Ken, because what are the two things that like whenever there's a, well, maybe not in Canada. I know you're in Canada and you guys are used to bad weather. You'll get pretty, you know, what? Consistent five or six months, five months of snow.
1: Yeah, we get, it seems like, All 12 months sometimes, but, um, we, we get (laughs) at least,
0: yeah. I was just going to say, there's a big joke in the States here, especially in the Southern States, whenever there's bad inclement weather, that's been forecasted. Like, Oh, there's going to be a snowstorm this weekend. Within 48 hours, the grocery stores are completely cleared out of milk and bread to the point where it's, it's such a hilarious phenomenon that happens that people like they make memes about it, make jokes about it. Right. (laughs) And so, how funny is it that on the day of the Lord, the biggest calamity ever, the city itself is saying, "Hey, I got bread and milk for you right here."
1: Yeah, <laughs> it's,
0: it's like that is, that is. <laughs> it's never gonna run out. You can you can run on that, make a run on that grocery store, and it'll always have it for you. And it's yeah. saying, "Come to me. I've got the milk and the bread right here."
1: Yeah, and you're not gonna have to worry about um, antibiotics and all these other things in that type of milk. It'll be good, good milk for sure. Yeah,
0: it's this beautiful thing. So yeah. so far, we've seen that there's a there's a moment here where the survivors there's gonna they're gonna stand. It's a judgment, but then as they're still streaming to the city from all across the world, because it's gonna be the only city that's not destroyed, and they'll be able to see it from anywhere they are on the earth. Um, they're actually gonna be able to stream to it to come get provisions, milk, food, and water, and there's other passages we didn't have time to put in here where it talks about them being escorted to us, or excuse me, escorted to the city, and how um, you know they're. Ships are sent out and everything like that. But, you know, there's um, people, all the people of the earth are going to be brought up to the city. And as we read in Revelation 22 just now, if they wash their robes, which is a part of purifying themselves, which means they're starting to learn and do the ways of the father, which is called Torah. They can enter into the city. And these are the people that are the survivors of the day of the Lord. Um, And so that's we could do a whole nother show on just the behaviors of what they can do and cannot do once they get into the city, but we don't have time for that tonight. Yeah.
1: And so. I, I was going to say before we move on, Sean, that we will be doing a show on the bride. You kinda, I know you kind of dropped there right. a subtle hint there about the bride being the new Jerusalem. I'm, I'm sure there's a couple of jaws that have, are still on the floor in our um, chat room there, but we're going to dedicate a show for sure to talk about um, the bride and who we believe the bride is. So be looking forward to yeah. that.
0: That'll be a lot of fun.
1: Okay. All right, Sean, so we're moving along here to Ezekiel. Chapter 47, verse 12, and it says, By the river on its bank, on one side and on the other, will grow all kinds of trees for food. Their leaves will not wither, and their fruit will not fail. They will bear every month because their water flows from the sanctuary and their fruit will be for food and their leaves for healing. So this just kind of goes back to the, the idea that we're or the survivor is going to be able to get the the water that flows from this city yeah. as well as that the leaves that are on the trees of life are going to be for the healing of the nations. They're not going to have access to the actual fruit, but they're going to have apparently access to the actual leaves, which have interesting healing properties to them. So,
0: yeah, absolutely. So this is the, the river of life that we're reading about here in Ezekiel 47, that parallels with revelation 22, which is, I believe our next verse anyway. But this whole concept is the trees of life that grow along the river of life. Um, only the glorified saints, as you just mentioned, can will have access to the, to the fruit of the trees. But the leaves on the trees will be turned into medicine. And it's not going to be for us. I'm not going to need medicine. I'm in a perfected, incorruptible body. I don't need Tylenol, and I don't need cancer medication. I'm going to. I'll never be sick again. Never have a disease. All right. But the survivors of the Lord, they're going to be in bad shape if you read about the destruction happening on the day of the Lord. So if they've, if they've made it out alive and are able to make it to the city or brought to the city, they're going to need healing.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And even, they will need healing for sure, but at least the demons and Satan is going to be removed from the picture as well because we know that um, historically demons kind of work unrighteousness in the world and and bring about illnesses and diseases and all that stuff so they're going to be removed from the picture which is going to be yet another you know positive for those survivors who are going to be going through the millennial reign who have access to not only no demons no satan in that era but also the uh, the healing properties of these leaves off of the trees of the uh, the tree of life so good stuff for sure yeah
0: and, and this medicine could be you know long term right because there was you know he even with prophets in the old testament that had the power to heal people there were still regular natural healing balms that you could make that's right and so we we also read about this in the book of jubilees how noah was given a book of medicines to counteract the sicknesses and diseases that that kim was just mentioning the unclean spirits are bringing on mankind um but yeshua exemplified a, a different type of approach where he didn't you know he would he i mean the only time he really seemed to use any material as far as traditional medicine, where you would ingest something or apply a topical ointment was when he took that mud and put it in that dude's eye with his spit, right? Yeah. And made that dude be able to see again, which I think is not the most conventional uh, medicine practiced, but at some, um, other times he just spoke and they were healed, right? He spoke and they arose from the dead. He spoke, you know, and there's a, that one passage where I think it's in Matthew 14 where he, he gets out of the boat from Sea of Galilee and all the crowds come to them and it says he healed everybody that came to him. It doesn't even tell you the number of how many people came to him that needed healing. He just healed everybody. Yeah. And so this, if we're glorified like Yeshua at the resurrection, we're inside the city. And all these survivors from outside the city come up to it. This could be our moment, brother. This could be the moment where we actually go and do the things that Jesus did in greater. And we walk out to the to the crowds. This dude's missing a leg. He's because he got blown off or he got crushed by a building or something. We go restore his leg, you mm-hmm. know, because we're yeah. the glorified priesthood now, you know yeah we're gonna have a huge moments we're gonna have a huge mass amount that could potentially have physical damages and sicknesses and who knows i mean it's just gonna be people i I just think that this um this is a a, this is gonna be a beautiful day
1: yeah for sure i mean it's (laughs) the way you put it man it's it definitely creates imagery in my mind that yeah i mean there are going to be a lot of people in need of some healing for sure for sure, because this Earth is not is going to experience something unprecedented in days to come. So, yeah, and yeah, it's we're going to be ministers of the Kingdom, right? We're going to have Kingdom authority, and I agree. We're going to be doing greater works than what the even the Son of Man was doing when he had uh, his time in the first century doing his work. So it's fascinating thought yeah. for sure, Sean.
0: And that's of course those aren't our words; those are Yeshua's words himself. Yeah. And he promised us as disciples, we would be doing the works that he did in greater. So. All right. Good stuff. And then man. I think that's our next verse, actually just kind of paralleling this idea of this medicine growing from the leaves of the tree of life along the river of life. And we get this also explained in revelation 22 verse one and two. He says, then he showed me you know, this river of the water of life, clear as crystal coming from the throne of God and of the lamb in the middle of its street. And on either side of the river was the tree of life, bearing 12 kinds of fruit, yielding its fruit every month. And the leaves of the trees were for the healing of the nations. So just like we read in Ezekiel 47, Ken.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, there's no ambiguity here. And we're not you... the nation. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. We
0: resurrected saints are inside the city, but this is talking about the survivors outside the city.
1: Yeah, we're, we're going to be one nation on that day, a spiritual body, um, you know and we as you've already iterated we're, we're not going to need anything to keep us going we're going to have an immortal uh life and and the surviving nations will as we've read have access to these leaves that will give them longevity as well but within a mortal body so it's right. very very interesting
0: so forgive me 60 seconds ken i want to paint a picture real quick for the for the viewer okay so we've got worldwide destruction apocalyptic movie style destruction okay even though the word apocalypse is is actually being misused by modern movies and media the word apocalypse just just means a revelation of information but let's just let's just play with that for now okay so we got this apocalyptic scene of mass worldwide destruction you've got the roof to this place visible because of the dissension of yeshua with his angels through the firmament as we discuss in episode two, called "The Heavens Will Be Shaken," and also after that, you've got the New Jerusalem coming down. And say you're in California, and you want to now get to the Middle East where this New Jerusalem came down. Which you realize now, oh my gosh, this thing just came down through the roof in this place. I thought we we're on a ball in space, but in fact, it looks like we're in a big room. And, and now I can see the roof to the room, and I can see this huge, bright, shiny coming down, like and and like moth to a, an outdoor you know, bug zapper, everyone's just gonna be gravitating from all over the earth to try to get to this amazing beam of light they can see in the distance. And they can see, I mean, they may not be able to see because of their perspective in their eyes, the details of the angels and floating around and us moving around inside the city, but they're gonna see this massive thing that everyone's gonna go towards. And they all get to the city because their city has been destroyed so they're caravanning with mass groups of people to try to get there. And once they get there, you have these glorified Elohims, the resurrected saints walk out <laughs> glowing like Moses when he came down from the Mount Sinai or like Jesus on the Mount of the transfiguration moment. And you got angels walking around doing things. And we just go out to be emissaries, to talk to the people and, it's, and then say, Hey, you guys need food and water and medicine. Come on over. Oh, your, your arm's broken. Let me heal that real quick for you. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Well, we'll take care of it for you. Okay. So that's that's the scene that we've just painted for the last what 45 minutes. Now go read Luke chapter nine, when Jesus sends out his disciples and he says to them, Go and proclaim the gospel of the kingdom of God, healing people and casting out demons. And they did, and they came back and they were they were excited, but they were like, Oh my gosh. We were doing all these miracles and the demons are submitting to your authority, to your name, you know? And so this is that moment where he tells them and tell them the gospel of the kingdom of God has come near you. And so this is the, this is the foreshadowing of the big moment when the new Jerusalem descends to the earth. Mm. It's the gospel. It's the, the good news. The kingdom of God has descended. And in this moment, the survivors, those who need it, those who need it to survive are going to come up and it's come near them. And they're going to get healing. They're going to get food, water. They're going to get spiritual nourishment. And they're going to live and survive.
1: It's unbelievable to paint that picture in your mind. I mean, it's so hard because we haven't been taught any of this stuff growing up. At least I haven't, Sean. You know, When I had uh, my experience throughout my life with various churches that I went to, none of this stuff was talked about in in any type of detail. Um, So it's just fascinating the more that we – we plug into these scriptures that give us all these details. It's just, I can't contain the joy. I know it probably doesn't look like it right now (laughs) because I'm trying to compose myself, but man, there are days where I'm just like, father, this is amazing. This is so, so cool. And it's like, it's not being taught. That's right. People need to hear this, this good news of the gospel message. And it's just not being taught.
0: What we do get in the world is the, the corrupted, imitation of it and it's it's this idea that you you know we're going to build the perfect society we're going to build the perfect city that's got you know um this socialistic underpinnings that you're going to have free health care you're going to have free substance like food and water if you need it you know this is the underpinnings of trying what people are trying to emulate today they just don't even know it they don't even know that the father is going to actually be able to do Because it's it, the only way something like that can run is if everyone's actually obeying Torah that's right. do this in a corrupted world where people are consumed with greed and power. You, you can't have this utopian style paradise, which God calls the new Jerusalem paradise. You can't have that because that you just end up getting oppression and tyranny, you know? And so this is um, what we're reading about is the father's paradise, which is the, the perfect moment that's ran with perfect governance from the leaders and the citizens are you know perfect which is hebrews 12 calls the citizens of heaven right and we're all obeying torah which allows us to live in harmony together so therefore any resources that are ours we could easily give to those who do not have them yeah you know and this man. was always this, all this stuff was built into the law and so the world is clamoring and taxing and having wars and thriving, and protesting, and trying to reach the description of what we're reading to you tonight about the, the new Jerusalem and how it's struck a safe haven and a place of, of resource and healing for the entire world. The nations of the world, the world are clamoring. The peoples of the world are clamoring for that right now. No one's just explained it to them, that it's promised to come.
1: Yeah, it's, it's amazing. And it's, it's so cool to think about that our King who will be on Mount Zion will have a constitution, which we are already trying to live out in this life. That's that right. being the Torah, the instructions for how to live, everyone will be doing this, this behavior. And it's amazing. It's kingdom economics, man. Like it's, it's going to be that's amazing. Right. It really, really is. So that's why I try to tell people that like ask me, Ken, like who are you voting for and like who, you know, which political way do you lean? And I say, you guys, I like, I lean towards the kingdom and you know, you get like a, what, what are you talking about? Like, I don't play the games. There's no point in playing the games of the world's politics because it's anti-kingdom politics. So if we can just all get on board with that, I think it'd be a lot easier and and there's a lot less headaches and a lot less stress in your life about worrying about who to choose, who not to choose and, and playing the game that, you know, the elite really want us to be playing. But anyways. Well said, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, man, it's fascinating. It's so cool to think about this this kingdom, you know, this 1,500 miles squared kingdom that's, that's equally as high that everyone will see as we've already talked about in, in many um, episodes because the mountains will be leveled, the valleys will, will be risen up and we're going to be seeing this massive structure wherever we are on the earth. No one, No one will not be able to see it. So... This is beautiful. So it's cool to think about.
0: Yeah, it, um, Lord, you know, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth that is in heaven. Man, Amen. it's what we were told to pray for.
1: Amen. All right, buddy, I'm sharing here again. We'll jump over to the next one. All
0: right, who read last? Was it mine or yours?
1: I don't recall, but I can I can read this. Okay, go ahead, brother. Okay, we're in Isaiah 66. 18 to 21 and says for i know their works and their thoughts the time is coming to gather all nations and tongues and they shall come and see my glory i will set a sign among them and will send survivors from them to the nations tarshish put lud Meshach, tubal and jivan to the distant coastlands that have neither heard my fame nor seen my glory and they will declare my glory among the nations then they shall bring all your brethren from all the nations as a grain offering to the lord on horses and chariots and litters, on mules and on camels to my holy mountain Jerusalem, says the Lord. Just as the sons of Israel bring their grain offering and a clean vessel to the house of the Lord, I will also take some of them for priests and for Levites, says the Lord. Another very cool snapshot into the millennial um, yeah. scenario. Yeah.
0: Yes, yeah, so as we talked about earlier, people are gonna be literally brought from distant coastlands. So that's why i mentioned california right because it's pretty far away geographically from the area where the new jerusalem is going to descend yeah. and so i mean there you got you know i just think it's fascinating that he tells them at the very end oh and by the way i'm going to choose new levites
1: yeah <laughs> and it's just one. like
0: yeah man. i you know like i've told you before i i it's it's a dream of mine to put this documentary together called tough pastors and that's going to be one of them it is isaiah Uh, sir mr pastor you've claimed that the levites are no longer applicable and that it's part of the old covenant and that we don't need them anymore yet the god through his messiah himself is going to choose new ones when he returns can you tell me why (laughs) it's
1: kidding. yeah and unfortunately sean we see kind of in this messianic hebrew roots movement or you want to call it saying that the levitical priesthood is kind of like it's it's been usurped in a way by the melchizedek priesthood in yeshua right but i would just say that it's it's in a dormant state of suspended animation it still exists it's just that we don't see these priests anywhere really operating because there's no temple there's no way to actually okay. perform the things that they're required to do because there are specific requirements for them to do their practices so that's it's right, still yeah. there and it always will be
0: Yes, which is why Hebrews 5, as we've talked about, excuse me, Hebrews 8, uh, 4 and 5, um, it says that if Jesus were on earth, he wouldn't be a priest at all, because there are already those who offer the gifts and the sacrifices, which is talking about the Levitical priesthood. And that was a a covenant promised to them um, eternally. Malachi chapter 2, verses 4 through 9, Jeremiah 33, verses 14 through 18, um, and just also in the book of Jubilees, chapter 31, um, and also in chapter 30, you know, Isaac blessed Levi to be a perpetual peace priesthood. Levi himself was given the priesthood by Jacob, and he was promised by Yahweh to be as a, an eternal priesthood with his descendants. And then uh, Jeremiah 33 reaffirms that. Malachi 2 reaffirms that as well. Yeah.
1: yeah, I love that book of Jubilees, man. So cool.
0: Yeah, we should do a whole show just on that, brother. Oh, wait, yeah. we did. But that <laughs> We started. Yeah. We, yeah, we'll get to it again at some point.
1: Yeah. All right, man, we, we're still in Isaiah here, guys. We got um, an earlier chapter in this book. Sean, if you want to read it, go for it, brother.
0: Yeah, for sure. So it's Isaiah chapter 2. Now, this is what we're going to learn about. Now, we just read the survivors were brought to the holy mountain. Now, what's going to happen? So it says, now will come about that in the last days, the mountain of the house of the Lord will be established as the chief of the mountains and will be raised above the hills and all the nations will stream to it. And many peoples will come and say, Come, let us go up to the mountain of the Lord, to the house of the God of Jacob, that he may may teach us concerning his ways, and that we may walk in his paths. For the law will go forth from Zion, and the word of the Lord from Jerusalem. And he will judge between the nations, and will render decisions for many peoples, and they will hammer their swords into plowshares, and their spears into pruning hooks. Nation will not lift up sword against nation, and never again will they learn war come O house of Jacob and let us walk in the light of the Lord.
1: Yeah. Amazing promise. Amazing, amazing promise. I mean, it's awesome. So yeah, we got these nations streaming to, you know, the new Jerusalem and they're going to learn. Gonna be taught, exactly. Because as we see here, that the law is going to go forth from Zion. Yahweh's constitution because it's a kingdom. It's a, you know, <laughs> <That's right. laughs> you gotta have laws. You gotta have things that um, people need to operate under. So it's, it's going to be nothing so, but the eternal perfect instructions that the father has created yeah
0: you know as we talked about two weeks ago when we did our our show our um are you in the new covenant How these on your heart so that you do without fail and you know we we have the theoretical argument you know amongst believers in our modern society that they you know have been told from in my opinion bad shepherds poor teachers that have told them the law of god is done away with and they don't have to do it anymore don't have to worry about it and they they falsely equate the law of god to actually earning your salvation and they take it's a red herring they take it out of context and you know and they just confuse people because they themselves are confused and, and are not teaching properly sound doctrine and so therefore you have these christians that are constantly bucking against this idea that oh my goodness we can't go back under the law and it's just it makes me it makes me laugh because not only is that particular phrase taken out of concept context anyway um that it's just the idea of they think well i don't you know i can't do the law but yet you're promised as a believer that if you're resurrected you're going to do the law it's going to be instinctively part of your nature and if you survive the day of the lord which means you were not a believer guess what? You're going to do the law. Exactly. <laughs> it's yeah. just like, so it, it just cracks me up. Like whichever group that you want to find yourself in, you're going to do the law. Yeah. So <laughs> there is no, there is no other choice. It just, yeah. it's because the father created, a, you know, you as a, as a sentient being. And this is the instruction manual for how you behave and walk in love with him and with other people. It's called his instructions, AKA his law.
1: Yeah. And if you boil that logic down, I mean, you're going to end up with us needing to do the law still today. I mean, <laughs> i mean, well, we're, we're it's an
0: eternal command. We're, you know, if you're a part of the covenant, these are the terms of the covenant, which is the commandments, the law of God. Exactly. So it's, yeah,
1: exactly. And the more we understand this, the more we embrace the fact that the Father's law is amazing, it's good, it's healthy it protects us yeah. it does all these amazing things the better off we're going to be i mean it's i think yeah.
0: you just almost quoted romans 7 12 where paul himself calls the holy, good and perfect
1: yeah and spiritual which and we've, spiritual we've discussed in other episode. episodes what that means right if we use the definitions right. for what spiritual is or spirit being what that is it's something that is immortal it's 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 beyond our flesh it's perfect it can't be changed it's it's good. It's definitely not done away with.
0: <laughs> yeah. Well, it's literally the behavior of the father. So it, it baffles me for that person to be like, Oh, I don't need to do the behavior of the father anymore because I believe in his son. You're like, wait a minute. How does that work? His son did the behavior of the father. His son told you to be like him and do the behavior of the father, but somehow you don't need to do the behavior of the father anymore. It just, it it blows my mind, man. Yeah. And, and it, you know, and, and I'm not, you know, speaking like I was born, with this understanding i also grew up in church and had to come out of that bad teaching and because i was continuing to read the bible all the time and you know and this is i've made the joke before ken but you know i'm i'm truly a word nerd like this is if i'm not working you know my wife can tell you i eat and sleep the the scriptures like this is all i do you know and so over time you know after two decades it starts to add up you know, and so you start to shed away bad teachings because you can see the context and you can find sound doctrine, yeah. you know, and that's where, you that's know, why I love why you, brother. Why yeah, I love no, I I,
1: brother, I eat, breathe and all those things as well with the scriptures. I just, I can't get enough of it. And I think the father definitely rewards those who have such a hunger and thirst for righteousness, obviously, but his word and just understanding it and living it out. So, yeah, there's benefits yeah. for sure for, for being word nerds, Yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay, buddy. I'm going to screen share once again, unless you have something else to say.
0: No, no, we can go to the next one. That's cool. Yeah.
1: Are we in segment three now? We are, yeah. We're in Zechariah. All right. Cool. Sorry, guys. Zechariah chapter 8, 20 to 23 says, Thus says the Lord of hosts, It will yet be that peoples will come, even the inhabitants of many cities. The inhabitants of one will go to another, saying, let us go at once to entreat the favor of the lord and to seek the lord of hosts i will also go so many peoples and mighty nations will come to seek the lord of hosts in jerusalem and to entreat the favor of the lord thus says the lord of hosts in those days ten men from all the nations will grasp the garment of a jew saying let us go with you for we have heard what god is with sorry then we've heard that god is with you very cool
0: amen amen and just as a quick reminder to the viewer, Romans chapter 2, Paul's tries to, to tell us the the true definition of a Jew. It's not someone with a physical bloodline, it's someone who keeps the commandments of God. That's right.
1: Because we okay, know so that this, someone who's physically descended from you know, Judah or whatever tribe of Israel that isn't keeping the commandments, isn't doing the terms of the covenant, they're a branch that gets broken off and replaced right. with someone who desires to do it that's not technically from that bloodline lineage. So there's yeah. always this incorporation, this grafting in um, process and, you know, so that we can all become part of the Commonwealth of Israel, right? As, as Romans talks about as well. So, but then even the one that got broken off, if he wants to, he can be regrafted in. So there's always room for people to come into this amazing ideology. That is the kingdom of God.
0: And, and the dividing line is you walking out the commandments of God in faith that he's going to resurrect you and make that permanent. Make that behavior permanent at the resurrection.
1: Yeah.
0: This is what we talk about a lot because it's foundational to our faith. So this is All right. So, um real quick, if you want to go to another slide, we'll just I think it pairs up right with that one real quick. We'll keep sure. moving. Go ahead, buddy. So here in Zechariah 14, we just read about how the 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 survivors of the day of the Lord are going to be you know, wanting to come to the house of God, right? But then we're going to read about some that may not always want to when they're instructed to. <laughs> so this is Zechariah 14, 12 through 15 it says, now this will be the plague with which the Lord will strike all the peoples who have gone to war against Jerusalem. Their flesh will, will uh, rot while they stand on their feet and their eyes will rot in their sockets. Their tongue will rot. It will come about in that day that a great panic from the Lord will fall on them and they will seize one another's house, excuse me, seize one another's hand and the hand of one, will be lifted against the hand of another Judah also will fight at Jerusalem and the wealth of all the surrounding nations will be gathered gold, silver and garments in great abundance. So also like this plague will be the plague of the horses, the mule, the caramel and the donkey and all the camels that will come into the camps. And then I apologize guys. I don't know if we have the other slide. Um,
1: Yeah, no, Oh man, I
0: apologize. That's okay.
1: We can pull it up real quick.
0: Yeah. I was going to say, I'm going to have to, um, I'm going to have to pull it up real quick. It's basically just uh, verses 16 to
1: 19. Problem, I'll just do that real quick here.
0: And for whatever reason, my internet is not pulling up another window. It's just got the Google chat window up and it won't let me pull up another window. It's weird.
1: Well, if you want, Sean, I can continue reading.
0: Yeah, man, if you'll read the, the next three, because basically we just saw about the, those who tried to fight him and they're destroyed, right? That's the plague that's talking about but then this is the survivors that we're going to read about here in the next few verses. Okay.
1: It says, then it will come about that any who are left of all the nations that went against Jerusalem will go up from year to year to worship the King, the Lord of hosts, and to celebrate the Feast of Booths. And it will be that whichever of the families of the earth does not go up to Jerusalem to worship the King the Lord of hosts, there will be no rain on them. If the family of Egypt does not go up or enter, then no rain will fall on them. It will be the plague with which the Lord smites the nations who do not go up to celebrate the Feast of Booths. This will be the punishment of Egypt and the punishment of all the nations who do not go up to celebrate the Feast of Booths. Yes, so this implies yeah. that there's still going to be rebellion, you know, yeah. or, or at least there could be. So That's there's right. an option here. If you guys want to rebel, well, you're not getting rain upon. <laughs> well, well, you, you know, know what's happening.
0: Yeah, you're gonna need rain because what what did we read earlier they they've beaten their weapons into pruning hooks, right? Um, yeah. So if basically they've they've turned their weapons of warfare into farming tools, so they're not going to be learning war anymore. So creating food for themselves and their people is very important. But if they're they're going to refuse to come have a covenant meal at the feast of booths with the father, and actually sojourn or excuse me, actually uh you know travel to the New Jerusalem, but which is instructing the law even now right? Because Abraham was the first one to keep the the Feast of Booths, and that became an eternal instruction for us to try to keep every year. And then when the physical city is here, this is the great fulfillment of that because that is the great booth. So this is the moment where everyone's instructed to travel to Jerusalem for the Feast of Booths. If they don't, there's going to be an actual punishment. So again, the reason I'm, I'm setting that up is because in the law, Okay, what we read a few verses earlier in Isaiah two two through five, that is that they will come to the holy mountain of God and they will learn Torah, the law forth from the mountain of God. People, will, the survivors will be the law of God to adjust their behavior from wickedness and destruction to doing life and peace. Okay, yeah. so with this dichotomy, with this understanding, they if some of them don't, that means they're in rebellion. Well, even in the law, there's an op- that means they're in transgression of the law, right? So this is why, as we read earlier in Isaiah 66, 18 twenty, you have to choose new Levites because you need someone to make atonement for you when you transgress the law. The priesthood is a mediator between man and God. Right. So, the, so the new Levites are chosen among the survivors of the nation. I, I, and that's the way I read it, Ken, because it seems we're the resurrected saints or the royal priesthood, which yeah. is in that Melchizedek order, which is above the Levites. So these Levites that are chosen Are of the actual survivors of the nations, as a set apart representative of their brethren to mediate between the mortals. Survivors, exactly. Yeah, and so therefore, here's a moment where the where the priests that were chosen, that God said He's going to choose again, the Levites. This would be the moment where they're needed. Ken and in Zechariah 14, where it says some of these people are going to actually transgress the instructions and not come to the feast of booths. So therefore, if they continue, more severe judgment happens. Right. But if they've just transgressed, but then they repent, which means they go back to doing the instructions of God, well, they've got a priesthood to make atonement for them. So this is going to be like, I mean, this is why people, it cracks me up when people are like, you can't do the law. There's no, you know, you can't keep it perfectly. Or you can't earn your salvation. I'm like, dude, you never were intended to earn your salvation. You were given a priesthood because the father knew that you were going to make it at some point. That's the whole point of you having a priesthood. Yeah. So like, Hand in hand, when you got the law, you got a priest. Like it was it was already built in that he knew you he knew you're gonna mess up. He didn't give it to you to think that you could do it perfectly.
1: Yeah, exactly. And it's just, just
0: really, really bad descriptions of biblical context. And that's where we hope to notification tonight and understand.
1: Yeah. It. Yeah. And Sean, as you said, the nations, they're going to be going to Jerusalem. And and as we've said, the the law will go forth from Zion. So they're learning this behavior. And part of this behavior is understanding the feasts, which are are embedded into Yahweh's instructions, which is, you know, we're we're instructed to do these Moadim, these feast days, these appointed times. So if they're rebelling and not going to these certain feast days, they're transgressing the law. So just for those who don't know that these feast days are inherently part of, you know this law well, that like will go forth from Zion yeah and so that's why we're going to as Sean said rather nicely here that there's going to be Levites from the mortals that are going to be appointed to be taken up into that office of priesthood as well but Sean which is, there's something interesting I wanted to bring up real quick before I move on and that's Psalms 73 13 of 14. And it says, you divided the sea by your strength. You broke the head of the sea monster in the waters. You crushed the head of Leviathan. You gave him as food for the people of the wilderness. So when I pulled up the, um, I just wanted to dig a little little bit more into that verse in the Septuagint. The Septuagint says something interesting here. It says, thou didst establish the sea in thy might. Thou didst break to pieces the head of the dragon in the water. And thou didst break to pieces the head of the dragon. Thou didst give him for meat to the Ethiopian nations. So it specifically says in the Septuagint here, version of this passage in Psalm, that the surviving nations, it sounds like, are Ethiopian nations that will be partaking of this Leviathan behemoth meal. So we know that the Lev- a lot of Levites today are in those That's nations right. today, right? Great, great connection.
0: Yeah, that, I mean, great connection. We could do it. Yes, you know, I, you know, I already have a lot of plans for for, for doing stuff with the Ethiopians, uh, and a lot of people don't realize that they're modern-day Levites that are yeah. alive today, so you're absolutely right, brother. So it yes. sounds like they're
1: going to be with some of the nations that aren't going to be Confederate in the end of days and are actually going to be able to eat some of this, the provisions that the Father has set aside since the beginning for them, yes. and then yes. use them as Levite priests. Yeah, interesting.
0: You're absolutely right, man. That's... I love it because he there. You know that would be a big question a lot of people would have is because whoa, well, if this if the tribes have been scattered into the nations how are you going to find Levites you know I'm like actually they've been around for two thousand years in their own communities they're called the Ethiopians
1: yeah.
0: <laughs> like they're they're alive today they're still here guys and they're keeping the law in Ethiopia. And they and they, they teach from the book of Enoch and the Book of Jubilees in addition to the books we have in our Bible, guys. They like it's so he's not gonna have to worry about who it is. Oh, and consequently, and I don't think this is an accident, by the way, Ken, but if you look at the actual GI of where the new Jerusalem comes down, and you do it between the, the the Nile and the Euphrates, well Ethiopia, current Ethiopia anyway, is at the bottom, which would be on the outskirts of where the city sits down, in my opinion, my my study. So this would be perfect just absolutely perfect they've been preserved there for thousands of years and he can just go and he's just just waiting just just grab them just to wait because he says this this covenant with levi for them to be a priesthood for mankind mortal mankind is an eternal agreement it's an eternal arrangement with this people group right yes. these descendants of, of levi
1: yeah so, so I'm going it, to would it all make sense for you brother uh, i just i adjure you brothers and sisters who have come across sean's work and his you know his heart is to make documentaries on on some of the things we're talking about here and so he has a patreon <laughs> want to give, do it so that he can he can make these documentaries i think they're they're going to be a huge blessing once they come to fruition and so we got to get him able to go to ethiopia and interview some of these people and just if you feel led in your heart to see these documentaries come to fruition please consider giving to him but all right brother so we can move along
0: yeah, what, what's our next verse? I think we're almost to, the, to our end,
1: right? Yeah, we're in James now. Okay, cool.
0: Yeah. And this is really, what, what this is all about was we're bring, trying to bring this full circle to where we started this with uh, Leviticus 19 and Deuteronomy 27, where we just saw the Father's heart on display, where he was showing us that, look, the spirit of the law that was already built in the law was to show love to those who are not your brethren, who are not your neighbor, those who are um, maybe strangers or foreigners in the land, in addition to those who are widows, and the fatherless now on the day of the lord guys all we're going to have is a bunch of widows and orphans because all the men came to fight at the battle of armageddon yeah. now not all don't get me wrong we already talked about some nations that didn't get involved but there's going to be an abundance i would say even ken up in the tens of millions of widows and orphans that are going to need to be cared for after the battle of armageddon and yeah. this is what James is talking about here in James one twenty seven, where he says, "Pure and undefiled religion in the sight of our God and Father is this: to visit orphans and widows in their distress, to keep oneself unstained by the world." This is him, in my opinion, summarizing what we've already read at the beginning of the show from Leviticus nineteen thirty three and thirty four and Deuteronomy twenty seven nineteen. It's the yeah. heart of the Father, and this is James repeating that. This is a pure and undefiled religion because we're going to all be doing this when the new Jerusalem descends. And if you're a saint that's glorified and resurrected and inside the city and interacting with the survivors outside the city, you're going to be interacting with, mil- in my opinion, millions upon millions of orphans and widows after the battle of Armageddon.
1: Yeah. It's... Or after,
0: after just all the destructive consequences that go down on the day of the Lord.
1: Definitely. So, There's going to be a massive number of people for sure that are going to be in need of, of you know being taken care of and... Um... Yeah. I so that. this is
0: what James is doing, just like the father in Leviticus and Deuteronomy was pointing to. And look, <laughs> I want you to know this behavior now because if you're a part of the kingdom later, this is what we're going to be doing.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I agree. It's good stuff, man. Okay, man. I'm going to jump over to Deuteronomy 14 here. Okay, cool. It says the Levite, because he has no portion or inheritance among you and the alien, the orphan and the widow who are in your town so to come and eat and be satisfied in order that the lord your god may bless you and all the work of your hand that you do yeah there we go
0: there it is man so there so it's just reaffirming, you know just more and more of this concept of the father always looked out for those who you know can't help themselves basically at that at that particular moment now the levites themselves were specifically Told they weren't going to be having inheritance because their Inheritance was of the Lord and we we Actually see some of that Play out in Ezekiel 48 and also In Deuteronomy where they get their 48 cities And things like that but but Specifically as far as having large amounts Of land to grow food Which is what widows and orphans would also need That's why the Levites are included in that passage Yeah Yeah. Which is why we read earlier from Isaiah 55 Revelation 22 this whole concept Of the free food and water that the city Will have for everyone who comes yeah. In fact, Sean, I love how. I'm sorry. Go ahead, no, man. Go
1: ahead. I was just going to say. I realized. I think we we skipped over Isaiah 49 here. I don't know if you wanted to jump back to that or just keep going.
0: Yeah, we can we can jump back to it. It's fine. But but I just love how Revelation 22 even says this says the Spirit and the Bride say Come and says whoever hears this come. Yeah. So it makes me wonder at, at some point, man. If, uh, I, I mean, this is a little fantastical. So just take this with a grain of salt to the viewer. Um, this is not me making a, a hard and fast declaration. This is just me making speculation on the, a physical application of revelation twenty-two, seventeen 17 and 18, where basically the spirit and the bright say come to anyone who even hears this, this invitation come. So it makes me wonder when the new Jerusalem descends, if there's just going to be somehow just a megaphone. Some sort of, <laughs> yeah. Some sort of sound just projected and just, and just like short, shortwave radio is just bouncing off the firmament all over the earth to just be like, come guys, come over here. Come, come to the city of truth, the city of righteousness. The city of Deuteronomy 2 says they're going to call it the city where the Lord is. Yeah. Like, like we read in Isaiah 2, they're going to want in Zechariah 8, they're going to want to come because they know Yeshua is there, you know? Yeah. And that's just, ugh. so imagine Ken in modern times do a, was here today on the earth and he was over in Jerusalem, or if he was just hanging out in you know Tel Aviv or something, I don't know. Um, he, think about how many people would try to go over and just immediately book a flight and try to get over there.
1: Oh my gosh. Yeah. You'd have right, just chaos. Yeah.
0: I mean, <laughs> so it, yes, people will stream to the, as Isaiah 60 promises, people will stream to the new Jerusalem in large mass numbers. Whole nations will come. Will come because you know yeshua has descended
1: yeah i imagine it's going to be you know obviously Um, bittersweet for for many people on that day but like rather confusing you know you see this as we've described this structure that just comes down and you have this king on a horse with his myriads of angels coming and annihilating people and wreaking havoc on the earth. The whole thing is shaking around you and everything's going dark and there's bright lights everywhere and arrows flying.
0: Do do I come
1: to this place? Like if I, if these people somehow survive, should I be going to this thing that just completely like, well, that's where we didn't cover those
0: other passages where it says the angels will actually go out and gather people.
1: Yeah. They escort people. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah.
0: So they're actually going to go out and probably explain to them, Hey, you want to see heaven? It's come down to earth.
1: Let's go. So cool, buddy. All right. Let's go to that. Oh, sorry, man.
0: Yeah. And that's, that's where I was just saying that that passage you read earlier in the show, uh, Isaiah 52 15, where it talks about how they will understand what they did not know. You know what I'm saying? Uh, Because when it, when it comes down, they'll, they'll start to get it. Even if they're ignorant their whole life of the message in the scriptures, suddenly they'll start to realize, oh my goodness, we're in a big room because I can literally see the roof and I can see this thing coming down through the roof. Uh, I may need to go go there, and then of course they may see you know a messenger of an angel come up to them and be like, hey, you know, let's go. This yeah. is uh, the Creator's come, and we're His ministers, and we're going to take you there. We got food and water for you and shelter. Yeah, so cool. So,
1: so cool. All right, guys, we're going to just jump back to Isaiah forty nine. I skipped over that one by accident. Sorry about that. says In verse five to seven says, And now says the Lord, who formed me from the womb to be his servant, to bring Jacob back to him, so that Israel might be gathered to him. For I am honored in the sight of the Lord, and my God is my strength. He says, It is too small a thing. Sorry, I think it's a is it too small a thing that you should be my servant to raise up the tribes of Jacob and to restore the preserved ones of Israel. I will also make you a light of the nations, so that my salvation may reach to the end of the earth. Thus says the Lord, the Redeemer of Israel and its Holy One, to the despised one, to the one abhorred by the nation, to the servant of rulers. Kings will see and arise. Princes will also bow down because of the Lord who is faithful, the Holy One of Israel who has chosen you. That's amazing.
0: Yes. And this one is just telling us point blank that not only is Yeshua going to be king of Israel and and the, the representative of God, you know, the strength of the Father, And not only will he bring Jacob back to the land of promise, yeah,
1: both sticks, which is the
0: first, yeah, both sticks, right, both houses. The first resurrection event happens. We get back to the New Jerusalem, but he will also be a light to the nations, and his salvation, which his literal name means salvation, Yeshua, will reach the end of the earth. So, this is what we've been building up. This whole show is this idea that the survivors are brought to city. So they can be they can be cared for and they can survive. Yeah. And Yeshua is gonna not just offer salvation for their souls, right? Where it says, "Come, inherit the kingdom of God," right? And they're learning Torah, Isaiah two two, and they have their own priests, uh, Levites for a priestly atonement and everything. And they've got all the things that we have today as far as covenant concept. Now, of course, we have a high priest in Yeshua who's in the heavenly temple, and it's you know we're actually using the superseding priesthood instead of have since the earthly one doesn't have a temple to minister in, but when all those circumstances are in the future, they're going to have what King David had in the past and what, you know, King Hezekiah had in the past and Nehemiah and Ezra and all these guys. So this whole concept is that at this point, not only is he going to offer and provide and teach them how to get salvation for their souls to eternal life, but he's literally going to save their flesh and their body and their life, their first life, right? He's literally going to keep them, from experiencing the first death because he's going to at least really save them. He is the ultimate hero, all right? That the world tries to to imitate literally. He is our our salvation. Amen. So, Amen. Well, yeah, so. but that if you like, man, I think we we've probably hit it hard enough. We can some of the remaining passages unless there's a particular one you want to read, we uh, can probably shut it down.
1: Yeah, I think we're pretty good. I mean, we got some here. Some is just loaded with that stuff, but yeah, yeah, no, I think we've, we've covered enough ground tonight, but, um, I hope that this did it justice. I mean, for me studying the millennial reign and realizing that there are mortals that are going to be existing throughout this thousand year era, it was just like jaw dropping to me, you know, cause like I said before, like there's just, we're not taught any of this stuff, unfortunately. And some of these mainstream churches, out, um, you know, we've been going to all our lives, so I just hope that Sean and I have kind of presented the case that there are going to be survivors on the day of the Lord and they're going to be in need, and the Father has, um, provided for their needs, and um, it's just it's an interesting facet of this day of the Lord, which is the whole purpose of you know this show, and um, yeah, yeah, I'm still to with you, you Sean. Here
0: has a better, richer understanding of the judge. Remember that the the son in John chapter five, Jesus tells the father is not going to judge. He's given all authority for judgment to the son. So when the judge returns and there's all this calamity and he's taken out the wicked, he's going to be a righteous judge. And he's going to take those who do not deserve condemnation because of whether it's ignorance or whatever, or or even faithfulness at the time, it depends on what, how he evaluate. He's the judge. He He can evaluate them. And he's going to deal with them righteously. He's going to offer salvation and literal physical salvation. And so um, this is, you know, the beauty of the story of the good news, the gospel of the kingdom of God that Jesus talked about everywhere he went <laughs> during his earthly ministry.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It's so, it's so crazy to, to, consider just everything that we've discussed but even to think beyond the millennial reign you know when everything is wrapped up and polished perfectly where the where the son says here you go father and you know (laughs) he just presents it all to him nicely wrapped up like then there's just everything is just absolutely perfect you know what i mean whereas there still there still is mortals who are going to be dying in the millennial reign but it's just weird to even think beyond that you know sean like how we're going to be all in unison with uh, like living out the torah perfectly no sin and everything is going to be utter bliss the world will you know what i mean like it's it's, just it's so gonna fast. be great man
0: yeah yeah every every living you know uh man uh, and woman you know will have this law written on their heart because both resurrections will have happened and all wickedness all sinners any anything that loves a lie or practices a lie and All the enemy Satan himself, everything's going to be, you know, taken away, taken out of the equation. It's just going to be people who instinctively and eternally always will do the father's behavior and then we'll be able to live harmoniously. I mean, it's it's why it's called paradise.
1: Yeah. And I've wondered why. Why are there no scriptures that talk about that era after? You know what I mean? What that's going to be like? And it's I think it, it basically to sum it up, the father would just say perfection. What do you need to know? You're gonna—it's there. It's just utter perfection at that point. Like there's nothing—not, yeah. you know what I mean. Satan well, doesn't come well, back he, at the end, or like everything's just dealt with. So, what do you yeah. need? <laughs> well,
0: that's that's why, in my opinion, Ken, he's given us the descriptions of it, and it's the descriptions of what we as resurrected saints will experience in the New Jerusalem yeah. Yeah. during the Millennial Reign, and our our lifestyle and our behavior, which we could do a show on at some point in the future. It's not not entirely. Um the day it doesn't entirely lead up to the day of the Lord, but we we may cover it again in the future. So um, but yeah, I mean, and to me, because that will just perpetuate after after the millennial reign, we'll just keep going because we were guaranteed eternal life, not a thousand years of, of life. Yeah, you know what I'm saying? And that's that's the whole concept. i the reason I say that, Ken, is because I've actually heard people try to argue, oh, well, after the millennial reign, everything's killed and destroyed and done away with. And I'm like, dude, it's got the father doesn't guarantee you eternal everlasting life but then snip it off at a thousand years come on yeah, yeah. like words mean things man and the father didn't you know you're, you're making the father's promises out to be um compatible with the actual words he's using come yeah. on you know, because just- i mean
1: then that means it's the end for yeshua too then right and that's right. not happening because we get to be resurrected into the same moral body that he was given so yeah, he's it's the just, first
0: yeah. of many brethren, as Romans chapter eight twenty nine says. I think it says. I think I might misquoted that, but someone can check for me.
1: Unfortunately, I I can't I can't tell you what the address is for that one. But, <laughs> that's
0: true.
1: Yeah. Um, good show, but yeah, good show, man. Yeah,
0: brother. Yeah, man. I think uh, I think we've probably said enough tonight. Give people something to chew on, and you know, hopefully, be encouraged by. It. That's our that's our prayer for all this stuff. You know, we we take the time to put these scriptures together you put them in a certain specific order so that we feel like they're palpable to understand, build and lead to something. We really hope that you guys, you know, um, are able to, to run with this so that you can then see just how amazing the word is and how edifying it can be to your understanding, your faith and your walk with the father, and then go and share it with your friends, family, neighbors, and strangers, you know what I'm saying? So that you can actually be able to defend your faith in a way that's concrete to the storyline. Ken, you know, I say to people all the time at my work, I say, look, because they'll ask me, you know, um, you know, depends on the conversation going on with people that, that I that I work around, and sometimes I tell them about my my channel Kingdom of Context, and they ask me, well, what's the purpose of your channel? And I tell them, well, it's you know, it's to help people understand the context because Scripture you have major themes on the context tree, and each theme is a major theme that's that's repeated throughout the Bible continually. And if you understand these themes, then it makes reading the Bible super easy, and you can know and ever in are end you can know what it's talking about. And people get intrigued and they're like, well, wait a minute. Doesn't that, isn't that just upon your own interpretation? And so I, I then say to them, okay, well, let's play that out. Who Someone for one, I would challenge you to say that someone has sold you on this idea that you can just have your own interpretation for the Bible. Yeah. Because then that means there's no actual definition of sound doctrine, because if it's all up to just some personal interpretation, right? So I was, I, I challenge these jurors that I'm talking to. They're essentially strangers. They're not family or friends or, or even you know, occasional acquaintances, people I may never see again. And I challenge them very quickly. And I say, hey, if you and I were in a book club and we both read, say, a Tom Clancy novel or a Stephen King novel, and we we came to, to our book club meeting and we were going to review the book club and we just finished reading the book, you know, for the last 10 weeks, we read the book chapter by chapter in front of each other, out loud to each other at book club. And now we're going to talk about the book that we just read. And I'm sitting across from you, and you have a completely different definition of the conclusion of the book, and of the characters and what they did and what it meant, and the, your conclusion was was different than what I thought the book was. One of us would be looking at each other and questioning, suspecting that we had poor reading comprehension.
1: <laughs>
0: yeah. See what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, I it have. would be a really awkward moment. Yeah. But that's what we that's what we've been brainwashed to accept in our modern day life. And our big Christian faith, with all these churches on every different street corner, with a different title out front of their of their church building, they have a little different slants. Now, some of them have a really big slant on how they interpret Scripture, right? And they have a completely different conclusion. They don't believe in the first resurrection. They think that there's no day of the Lord. They think that we're already in the millennial reign. Like they, you know, there's some people that have a very very. They think that that heaven is is some third dimension that they don't even understand the, the biblical creation model or anything. So like there's all these different interpretations that have made up all these different denominations and it's all the same book. It's supposed to be the same message. We're all supposed to know the same story and this, and what's, what's so ironic Ken is that this same story, which is the gospel, the kingdom of God, like we repeated tonight throughout this entire show is repeated in every single book of the Bible. Well, yeah. so here we have hundreds of people every Sunday go into one building, reading from books that repeat the same story, every single book that they read from in this collection of books that we call a Bible. And they still don't know what it is and they st- yeah. because they have bad teachers. And this is where, you know, I'm just, I'm so thankful that we're stepping into a unique era in our, in our society where the, it's, it's almost like the father is like opening people's minds, mm-hmm. you know, to realize, Whoa, we need to be taking these words seriously. What does this say? What is it like? Let's take a look at this, you know, like and they're looking and they're desperately seeking sound doctrine. They're trying to figure out why, how in the world can we be disagreeing about these large concepts in this book when it's supposed to be one Lord, one body, one faith, one baptism? You know what? It's supposed to be one message. Like how in the world can we get 40,000 different denominations with different variants of messages? It's not supposed to be like that. So these strangers I'm telling this to and I'm talking to, they look at me and they go, huh? you know, that's a good point. I never thought about it like that. And I'm like, so who convinced you in your life that it's okay to read the same book and have 10 different conclusions. That's not called reading. That's not reading. That's you making up your own story. So this is where I would say, let's not make up our own story. Let's believe the words in the book. Um, we're doing our best on this show to, to bring forth with context and with clarity, um, you know, these these central core concepts that lead up to the day of the Lord, which is essentially the gospel the kingdom of God, which Messiah returns with with the Father's house. Okay. So we hope you're by it. We appreciate you watching us. We appreciate you liking and sharing. If you're not subscribed to Parable of the Vineyard, make sure you do that before before the show, just click the little little subscribe button, tap the bell. Um it's it's very simple. And then uh, that way you can help support the channel.
1: So absolutely man and beautifully stated it's it's all that makes sense and you know we do live in unique times for sure where people's eyes are being opened to all the lies and all the inherited doctrines you know and you know the, the lies that the fathers have inherited and, and perpetuated over centuries so thankfully we have an amazing father who prophesized certain things and they come to pass and this is just yes. one of those things where we're waking up from our stupor we're, we're starting to realize that wait a minute why aren't we understanding this book the same and exactly as you've said, it's yeah. Yeah. So guys, I just wanted to real real quick before we go, I'm just going to, Sean, I'm just going to plug my, my channel real quick. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Guys, I have a channel here on YouTube. It's called hang on his words. And um, if you're interested in the things that we're discussing on, on the road to rescue here, I talk about a lot of this stuff in some of these videos that I've, I've put out and I also make some music. Um, You can find that at Bandcamp. I go by the name Mountains into the sea. I've recently released a uh, an album called New Cloth. and I have a couple other ones here that i've I've released over the last couple of years. but uh, yeah, check them out if you feel free to. And um Sean, it was yeah, a blessing fact- to be sorry
0: fact, man, I just want I just want to pitch not only do you make great videos, great good teachings, but you do make stellar stellar praise music that people should check out. In fact, if I, you know, if I could even try a Donald Trump impression, I would say there's no better there's no better praise music. He does there's no, no one does praise music better than mountains in the sea with Ken Hubbard. Anyway, is Donald Trump do the
1: mafia now or what?
0: Yeah, no, I don't do impressions. It's it's <laughs> like like a strange presidential mafia uh, accent. So I
1: I appreciate that though. though. That was very kind of you. We'll, so
0: we'll edit that in post. But anyway. <laughs> so yeah might as well throw up my channel way you're at it brother so yeah I'm also um I also have my own channel it's kingdom of context and uh the idea here is that you know like i shared before it's we have multiple videos we do a couple broadcasts every week um, we do the kingdom portions on Friday night with my wife and uh, that's a lot of fun it's basically a basic tour portion and then also um Ken and I have a show called honor of kings we do on my channel on Saturday called honor of I already said it honor of kings And the periodical videos where i discuss different types of context throughout the scriptures and um and then even small segments um called morning cup of context where i just i just try to tackle large um large concepts that are that are we they're well known for being taken out of context basically you know um and so that's that's a lot of fun so you guys are welcome check that out if you have a chance
1: yeah, it's a great channel. Guys, check it out. I know I'm biased. I know we're both biased and we're brothers. And so we're we're going to do this for each other. But uh, if you want to understand the gospel message a lot more clear, go to go to Sean's channel. He's got some great videos that are going to be eye-opening. And uh, so, yeah. Thank you so much for joining us tonight. I know we've gone a little bit longer, but um, we just uh, appreciate you and uh, hope that you've been edified and blessed by what we've been discussing tonight. Yeah,
0: man, I'll pray us out, brother. Okay. All right. Father, you're amazing. What you've promised from the beginning is amazing, and we ask that these words that we shared, that which are your words tonight, we Father, we just ask that they go and they find fertile hearts and fertile ground to grow, and that your your spirit would water them, and they would just turn into a bountiful harvest of understanding, so people can uh, run with your message and be encouraged, and um, just just fall more in love. That's the the goal of all this, Father, so that uh, we we long to see you when the time comes. And we ask um, the just praying for the parable of your channel itself, that people continue to support it and that, um, that all the, all the uh, Adam and all the presenters on here would uh, continue to be able to have the schedules to provide, provide these videos basically. So we just thank you for the opportunity while we have it. We give you praise in Jesus name. Amen. Amen. Thanks brothers. Good to see you, man. We'll, we'll tune out this time and viewers. Uh, we appreciate you joining us again here. This is episode 14 of the road to rescue we were discussing the father's message to the survivors of the day of the Lord. And um, we just, um, we think it's a, an important message to understand. So we, we want everyone who's listening to not be the recipient of this message because you're going to be in the first resurrection. That's right. <laughs> that's, right. that's the we goal. We want you to be in the first resurrection, right? Revelation 20 verse five, blessed and holy are those who partake in the first resurrection. And that's where we want you to be. We want to see you there. So um, anyway, we appreciate you joining us and we will see you guys next week. See you later.